number two, if you will. Today on the calendar, a Hallmark Day, if you will, is called Mother's Day. And uh, it's, it's, a, uh, <laughs> it's a day that ought to really honestly be celebrated a little bit more often than once a, once a day or once a year. Uh, we, when we're growing up, we would celebrate Mother's Day and we would celebrate Father's Day. And then uh, me, either I or my brothers, one of us, ask, well, when is it Kids' Day, you know? And my dad's like, every day is kids' day. So we, we quickly got told to knock it off, you know. But when you think about Mother's Day and you think about moms, and, and again, I am very well aware of that not everybody in the room is a mom or has a, can be a mom, was a mom, grandma, whatnot, but the ladies. And I wanted to start here in Titus 2 because you, all of the ladies have a role in a local assembly. Moms as well, grandmas, aunts, some of you are aunts, uh, some of you are uncles too, but aunts, okay, talking about the ladies. But it's a very interesting thing here that when you think about moms and, and then you think about uh, the ladies, the women in the, in the local assembly, there is no one more valuable than Everyone in the local assembly being in their roles and their positions. So if you're a mom, you're no, you're, you're not, you're no more valuable. You, you are valuable, but you're not more valuable than the non-mom, okay, if, if I can say it that way. Is that even a word? I don't even know, okay? That's just how I'm going to say it, all right? Everybody's equaling who we are in Christ within the local assembly. But there's something about mothers, and there's something about that in the Scripture that I, th I haven't done a Mother's Day message in a long time because usually, like we are in the Grace Reset, we're usually in a, stuck in a series and it just didn't hit right. And I thought we could just take a moment this morning to celebrate moms. If you look at Titus 2, notice, if you will, verse 3. Because in the, there's no one more valuable than the other in the local assembly. Because all women play a role in a local assembly. Okay? Moms do, ladies who aren't moms and so forth. Look, if you will, at verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they, may, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, nor not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. Now think about that, ladies. The aged there isn't, you know, it, it's... it's <laughs> It isn't, you know, 80 years old. It, it's, it's maturity. That's the idea there. It's been through life a little bit. What are you able to do? You're able to come into the younger. If you're a mom and you've got a parcel of kids and you've raised children, you've been through the battles, you're able to come, and you're a grandma now especially, you're able to come over and help the young moms do what? Love their husbands and love their children. Now, that's an interesting thing that he has to say for a mom to have to be taught how to love their children. <laughs> I understand the love of the husbands, because sometimes us husbands aren't very lovable. And sometimes you just want to send us to the moon, and I get that, okay? But notice the issue here. To be discreet, verse 5, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may be not blasphemed. The end of verse 5 is the goal, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So when you think about mothers... And you think about, come back to Genesis 3, and you think about the ladies and moms within our local assembly. There, 
The ladies are very important. They're not a second-class citizen. They're, they're, they're not the leaders, okay? But, but they play a tremendous role in this. But this morning, I just wanted to focus in on moms and, and look at how in Scripture they are highly celebrated and they're, and they're held in high regard. In Genesis 3, we have Adam and Eve and verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now it's interesting, up until this point in the record, Adam calls his wife woman. He doesn't call her Eve. Eve, the name Eve means life giver. Adam and Eve. Eve is not a creature created separate from Adam. She came out of Adam. Adam is the, is the root and Eve comes out. And through Eve now is this channel of life. The conduit of life is going to come now through the woman, through mom, through Eve. That's why in today, come over to Psalms 139. When you look around and you see our society honestly take motherhood, if you will, and de 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 uh, tear it down, okay? And, they, and, and you hear the issues of abortion and all this stuff. And then you read a passage like Psalms 139. If you look there at verse 13, David here, he's talking about God and knowing us. In verse thir before, <laughs> before we were ever existence, I call this the, the book of DNA here, if you will. And when you notice what David says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Notice David says, you knew me when I was in my mother's womb. You knew me. He, he knew what I was. He says, I will praise thee. By the way, that tells you that in the womb is a living person. And a mother has the great uh, pride, the great uh, blessing, the great privilege of creating a body and a soul and a spirit, of creating a human uh, the, the old thing on Facebook was, uh, have you made your own people lately? You know, and there's a mom standing there. And literally, that's a great privilege that the ladies have, that women have, mothers have, that opportunity to do. He says, I will fully praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance was fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Again, that book of DNA, the child, that living soul, that body. When it's born, the location is changed. The, great, the safest place for a, for a baby is in the mother's womb. Because once the mother, once the child is born, now what are they exposed to? <laughs> this perverse and crooked and wicked world. And that's the issue here of motherhood. But there's a great connection between motherhood and the love of a mother, and we're going to see this hopefully this morning in Scripture, and, the, and how God loves us so deeply and richly. Look, look over with me to the book of Proverbs. On Proverbs chapter 4. There's a great distinction. Proverbs is full of this father-mother conversation. 
And I just want you to get the idea, the thinking process here for how valuable mothers are. Not just women, not just the ladies, but the mothers. In Proverbs 4, verse 1, Hear, hear ye children, the instructions of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Now that's a command of a dad. Do it or else, kid. Pay attention. See? Dad, the, the head of the family, he's giving the instructions. But watch verse 3. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Isn't that interesting? Here's dad. Dad's hands are callous. They're firm. They're strong. They're, they're unwavering at times. Why? It's his, his job to instruct and to lay it down. You know what mom does? Mom comes along in tender and blessing. Come over to chapter 23. She, she's got the heart. Mom takes the instructions that dad is giving, and she applies some tenderness to it. She takes that stuff and she says, okay, you heard your dad? And she begins to come in and apply some tenderness to it. And, 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 and really it's because of the, 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 the heart issue. Proverbs 23, verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Think about this. Notice this issue. He's in some instructions here about dad, fathers and, mother, and mothers. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Isn't that wonderful? Buy and sell not the truth. What is dad and mom doing? Both of them are doing this. They're putting the instruction in the sound doctrine. Here it is. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> They're working together in unison in, in a team. Dad lays it down. Here it is. Mom comes in and, and she's going to lay it down, but not quite the same way, you know. A little softer maybe. A little more tender. Because the goal is verse 26. My son, give me thy heart and let thy eyes observe my ways. So the question to you is, who's saying verse 26? Well, dad is saying it, but so is mom. Mom says it as well. Because mom wants your heart more than anything. She wants, she, she, she wants where you are. You, you live in mom's heart. And mom, you live in mom's heart, and mom lives in your heart. I got a text this week from my dad. Remember, it's Mother's Day Sunday. I'm like, well, I've already, the card's in the mail, and I'll call her a little later. Okay? I'm a little busy this morning. All right? But, and, and we'll talk about anything and everything. You know, the great, well, anyway. Why? Because she's where your heart is. You live in your heart. Your moms want to be where you live. Come back to chapter 11 of Proverbs. Chapter 11. This one in Proverbs 11 is very interesting. 
verse 16. Proverbs eleven sixteen. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retaineth riches. Now that's talking about a mother. And you know what a mom focuses in on? Safety, security. Will my children be safe? Will they be secure? Will he be able to provide if we have children, if you're looking at getting married? <laughs> Big question. You know what dads look at? The riches, success, the confidence. Will they make it? Will they get there? Will they do it? By the way, that's why the, when the verse says, uh, train up your children in the way that they will go, not the way you go, but the way they go. Why? It's dad's responsibility, but mom as well, to know their children so well, to know their personalities, to know how they function so well, to then nurture that along. Yes, with the rules. Yes, with the discipline. Uh, in the book, I forgot the guy who made it. He says, we're training the savages for the next generation. I think it was Bork, okay? Training the savages. Why? So what does dad do? Here's the rules. Mom says, here's the rules with a little tenderness. But what are we doing? We're knowing our children so deeply, so well, that when one child is sensitive and caring, you don't kill that, you don't squash that, you, promote, you guard that, you guide that in the way that they should go, in who they are. Not who you are. You're you. They're them. If you got a child that's stubborn, I got one or two that are like that, now what do you got to do? You got to reach in there a little more, but a little stubbornness issue, you know? <laughs> They're like uh, Balaam's donkey. You know, it's a little stubborn. Here we go. You know? And what do you do? You, you've got to work on that. But you don't kill that because you've you got two roles to play here. For a mother to see her children be safe and secure. And it's in this aspect of, of that heart, of that heart issue, that is a reflection of what God had planned for man all along because God has God's love for man. Come over to Isaiah 66. God's love for man is in the same realm as mom's love for her children is. That's why Scripture is going to celebrate motherhood. It doesn't de devalue women. It just says what happens with Eve. Eve is the, the mother of all the living. She's the life giver. Here's what, was the tr here's what God had planned. Here's how he demonstrates his love. And watch it with mom. Isaiah 66, look at verse 13. Verse 12. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Now, God, here, here's Israel. Isaiah's talking to Israel about her future. Okay? And again, what I want you to notice here is what God has placed in the role in the heart of a mother, he himself has when it comes to his children. Verse 12, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, ye shall be born upon her sides, and be dan uh, yeah, thank you. dandled upon her knees. Now watch. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. As a mom comforts her children, what's God going to do? The same thing. He's going to comfort. What happens when the children skin their knees? What does dad say? Get up. 
Rock it out. Rub a little dirt on it. Let's go. Let's get moving. What does mom do? Oh, come here. Come here. Let me see it. Little salve, little band-aid. Comfort. By the way, what does dad do? Don't coddle him. Make him get her heart, you know, right? <laughs> well, no. She's being what? Mother. See. By the way, in today's society, dad doesn't even say that anymore. He's rushing them to the ER for a skin nose or a skin. No. What does dad? Dad is. Dad, get up, work it off, rub it out. Mom embraces you, picks you up. Come over to chapter 49 of Isaiah. Comes along in 2 Corinthians 1. He's the God of all comfort, the Father of all mercies and comfort. What does he do? He comes in and he's going to embrace you. He's going to comfort you. And that aspect of God's love for you to come along and to comfort you in the time of trouble, in the time of need. Mothers demonstrate that as well. Isaiah 49, again, about Israel's future, in verse uh, 14, 49, 14. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child? that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Think about that. No matter what Israel was doing, no matter how far off base they got, God never forgot. And notice what he says about mom. Verse 16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. You know what he did? Mom said, the, the objection is verse 14. God's forgotten us. The answer is, no, I haven't. I wrote your names. I've engraven you on my palm. And every time I look at my palm, what do I see? I see you. Mom's the same way. Mom, no matter where the child goes, no matter how long they're gone. Brian passed away 2012. He's still on the forefront of, of Linda's mom's mind at times. No matter how long, no matter where they go, that child is engraven on her, never to lose that. All else can be forsaken. All of that stuff. You know, you, you see the tragedies on TV and the news? And then they go find mom. And what does mom say? He was a good boy. No matter the shame, no matter the issues, no matter the problems, no matter how dastard the deed was, what is he? He's a good boy or a good girl. I can't leave you girls out. Some of you guys are pretty wicked too. <laughs> okay? See? What a, they're, they're good. My boy would never do that. Well, yeah, he did. But here's the evidence. She looks right down through all of that. Why? Because she's mom. And she loves like mom. And you know what? God, what does God do with you in your messes? He looks right down through all that. Why? Because you're his. You've been engraven on his palm because of who we are in Christ. Come back over to 2 Samuel. In Scripture, moms are celebrated immensely. 2 Samuel chapter 21. And the reason for that is because of that reflection of God's love. 
And in 2 Samuel, you have uh, 2 Samuel 21. You have Rizpah, and and I, I, she was one of the wives of Saul. She had some boys, and Saul's defeated. He's David's defeated him. And now there's there's uh, verse eight, twenty one eight. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah. She's got two boys. And the judgment, if you go back up to verse 6, here was the judgment against Saul and his family. Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in, in Giba of Saul, whom the Lord did choose, and the king said, I will give them. So there's a judgment against the sins of Saul. And they're going to hang seven of his boys. Rizba's got two of them going up to be hung. Verse 8. Verse 9. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest. That's August. In the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. So in the beginning of the har- in the early days of August, what do we have? What do we see? Verse 10. And Rizbah, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock. And from the beginning of harvest until water dropped upon them of heaven. That's October. That's the first rains. So what's August, October? About three months? Call it three months. For three months, here's this little mother. She's got her sackcloth bedding. She's camped out under her boys. And what is she doing? And... And suffered neither the birds of the air to rust on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. What's she doing? Them big black birds come down there. She takes that sackcloth and runs them off. She's sitting there for three months under her dead, decaying, rotting, flesh sons. She's a mom. No matter what those boys did, they're hanging because of a judgment of the sins. She's still what? Mom. And she's there, and she's beaten off the, the animals. And she's beaten, she's taking care of Verse 11, and it was told David what Rizba, the daughter of A, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of that place, sometimes I feel like the, the, the Star Wars, right? people, you know. Verse 13, he brought up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. You know what's left hanging? That's the seven, the boys, Rizba's boys. You know what's left? The flesh is gone. The only thing hanging there is the skeleton. And David goes and collects them up now, and he's going to go bury them, and he does them honor there with, and he honors them out and so forth. But what I want you to see is the love of mom. She didn't leave until those bones were taken down. She was right there. With all the decay, she was there. Only a mother's love. I mean, you think about what would motivate someone to defend the bones of the dead. Only mom does that. Only a mom would do that. In spite of all the shame, in spite of all the disappointment, in spite of all the 
She doesn't abandon the sons here. Oh, what a picture of God's love for you. Come over to Romans 5. Romans 5. Romans 5. I think about this. Look at Romans 5. Verse 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in the condition of justified. But look at verse 6. Look at how Paul goes back and adds in this issue of eternal security. He says, For when we were, this is who you were, yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the who? There you are, the ungodly, the shame, the disappointment. The Romans 1 and 2 events of who you might have been, that heathen, that despicable human evil guy. Or maybe you're the human good and you didn't live a bad life, and but yet you just didn't believe. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, ye shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, see, it, there's the shame, there's the condition. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. You've got to love that much more stuff. <laughs> being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Come over to 1 Corinthians 6. You see, when. We love him because he what? First loved us. And that love is a mother's love. No matter what's going on, no matter how, how bad it got, what did he do for you? He loved you. What does your mom do? Love you. You know, often I tell folks whose children are in trouble in some manner or way, you're going to love them. That do, loving them does not condone the bad behavior. You love them in spite of the bad behavior. God's grace is what fixes the bad behavior. But you just come up and love on them. Why? Because they need to know someone in this world loves them. And who better than their parents to come up and just say, I love you. What you did is wrong and we'll work through it and we'll get you through it. We'll help you through it. But you got to know I come from a place of love for you. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkens, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Boy, he got them all in that list, didn't he? From the good to the bad to the ugly. But watch verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In that, there, there's His love. Look at who you were. You were, you were ungodly. <laughs> you were that list. Revelation twenty-one eight. You're the liar. And what did He do? He loved you. Come over to First Thessalonians chapter two. You see, the mother's love pictured throughout Scripture. And the reason it's celebrated and it's looked into, Paul is going to tell Timothy, remember the faith of your mom, Lois, and your and grandmother, Eunice. And, and remember that the reason is because that mother's love puts on display God's love for humanity. And what he did, 
And that's why to take a day and say, thank you, Mom, is literally not enough. But it is for the moment. 1 Thessalonians 2, if you look here at verse 7, the Apostle Paul talking about his ministry. He says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her child, children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the grace of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. The nursing there in verse 7 is a reference to a nursing mother, not a hospital nurse, but to a mother who is nursing her child. Why? Because that newborn child needs what? Nourishment, substance. It needs, it needs some, some, a, a place to grow, comfort, security. And Paul says, you know what we've done? We've come in there as a mom with her newborn baby, and we poured out our own soul to you. We opened the door to you. We didn't just preach the doctrine. We just didn't. But we came into you, and we, we opened up everything to you. He tells the Galatians, I'm worried about you. I'm scared of you that I labored in vain. And then I'm praying that Christ would be formed in you. That's what he's saying here. He says, listen, you need to be provided for. You need to be fed. You need to be comforted. You need clothes on you. And we gave you our, our own soul. We go into a store, Linda and I, the other day, and she's got a basket full of stuff. And I'm like, who in the world is all that for? Well, Ricky might need this, and Emily needs that. And I said, they got their own money. We're at Costco. I go, I, we bought them their own Costco memberships the first year. They got their own money. Yeah, but you know. And I'm like, we go to my mom and dad's. My mom's got a, a drawer, Chester drawer, drawer, a drawers and a chest, like six deep. Everything's full of stuff for the grandkids. I'm like, Mom, No. She's like, well, you got to take them this. I'm like, no, I don't. So she goes to Linda, and Linda's like, doesn't argue with mom. So yeah, okay, you know. But the thing, <laughs> but the thing is, is why would mom do that? Because that's that's my own soul. I've depart. I gave it all to you. Now watch verse eleven. I'm sorry. Where did we end? Verse eight. Verse nine. For ye remember, brethren, our labor. Here's how he departed his own soul. Why? At the end of verse 8, because you were dear unto us. That's that tenderness. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witness, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Now watch verse 11. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged everyone as a father doth his children. What's dad doing? Dad's getting on the staff. He's laying in the groundwork. He's laying, he's exhorting, he's comforting, he's charging the challenge. Dad sits there and says, why don't you go out in the world and have an impact on the world for the good and not the negative? Make an impact on those around you. There's a couple billion people on this planet. 
If you, you're not going to impact everybody, but if you impact those around you positively. Growing up, we always had a thing. We sang that song, Count Your Blessings. We sang in the car. We always pick a hymn book. And if you ever heard a Jordan sing, the Jordans don't sing unless they're in the shower or in the car with the windows up and the doors closed. And we would sing that. And the thing was, was, hey, when you go somewhere, leave it better than how you found it. See? And things like that. Uh, dependability. The best ability is dependability. If you say you're going to be there, be there. That's dad. That's that pushing of the instruction. Get them in there. Get it written down. Get it down into that inner man. Go out and have a positive impact in your life for those around you. Now watch verse 12. That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into His kingdom and His glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you. That what? That's the goal. The goal of mom, the goal of dad, the instruction, the challenge is that the children believe. The raising of godly generations. The goal there in verse 13 is the belief that child believes. By the way, you can apply that to grandparents. You can apply this to those that are aunts. Why? You have an impact on that kid because you're the favorite aunt. (laughs) So what can you do? You can influence away. Godly influence. You can make little corrections here and there where mom and dad might make the same one, but because it's mom and dad, we ain't going to do it. But because auntie said so, we'll do that. See, Grandparents. You see, this, this isn't just sticking in one role. It goes out. When that child begins to believe the grace of God and believe the message, and they make it their own. You see, that's the goal. That's where everything kind of comes in here. Now, to illustrate this, come back with me to Exodus chapter 2. Because you got a little man by the name of Moses. You're not little. (laughs) Exodus chapter 2. And Exodus chapter 2, you see Moses, and you see Moses' mom. Verse 1, And there went out a man of the house of Levi, and took the wife a daughter of Levi. So here's Moses' mom and dad. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. All right? So if you know the story... Pharaoh, there's a new Pharaoh in town. He doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't know the history of Israel. And he's and Israel has ballooned. They go in at 70 souls. They're now about almost 1.5 million souls. Okay? So they're a huge number of people. So he's going to now come in and try to slow down the birth rate. Okay? So now what he does, so there's an edict been put out. She hides him for three months, verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 6. Well, verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off. So here's Moses' sister, okay? To wit, 
what would be done to him. So Moses, so Moses, uh, there was a sign one time, just kind of off subject, it's, uh, on the church building that says, uh, don't worry about being a basket case, Moses was one too. <laughs> okay, here's a basket, makes a basket, and she put, and sister sits over here and watches. Verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. Now, that's going to be important, because what do we have here? We have tears of a baby. Now, who's close by? Mom. What breaks mom's heart? The tears of her child. See? So you got a tender moment here happening. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses' sister steps in. Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. Now, how do you think that happened? What do you think sister knows? This is my brother, and mom is ready to, you know, she's in the motherly way, and off we go here. So what is now going to happen? Now we have Moses. By the way, Moses. the name Moses means to draw out. And he, here he is. He, he, they find the child. Moses' sister go gets his mom, verse 9, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Mom, this is Moses' mom, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wage. She's getting paid to raise her own child. What a deal. Woo! That's fantastic. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. What does she do? She's raising her child. All right? Now, let's dig into this a little bit. Come over to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. In Acts 7, Stephen is teaching away to the Sanhedrin, to the council there. And he's giving them a history lesson reminder. And he comes to Moses, verse 21. And when she was cast, I'm sorry, and when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nursed him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So what happened to Moses? Moses gets found. Mom raises him. The child grows, she brings him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and what does she do? She sends him to the Ivy schools, and he gets the best education in the land. Right? That's what happened. Okay? He knows everything about Egypt. He knows all of the... He's got the top law degree, the top medicine degree. He's got it all laid at his feet. Why? He's the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He got it. Doors opened. But come over to Hebrews 11 and notice what else he got. Hebrews chapter 11. He had a first-class education in the system of the day. But look in Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, 
when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. By the way, isn't that interesting how Hebrews says parents? Because there's going to be a new focus here. Now, Exodus was mom, and the love of mom, and the protection of mom, and the raising of mom. But Hebrews is going to focus in on something else here. Because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Isn't that interesting? Moses' parents, they understood Genesis 15. They understood the Abrahamic covenant. They understood where they were in those 400 years of darkness that they were to spend down in Egypt. They understood that it was the timing, the proper timing for the deliverer to be born and to be brought onto the scene, Genesis 15. They understood everything, and because he was a goodly child, remember Exodus 2, and because he was a proper child, in other words, he didn't have a glow about him. You know, all, you know, all babies are beautiful, aren't they? No, they're not, okay? But all babies are beautiful. And some will say, oh, he had this heavenly glow about him. Blah. No, he was a baby. He was crying. He has poopy diapers. He met, he's a baby. Okay? But what was it? They understood the timing. They knew exactly where they were in God's program. Their only question was, was Moses the one? See, they weren't sure about that. They thought he was. Now watch what happened, verse 25. So verse 23, by faith Moses, there's the faith of his parents. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to age, to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Wait a minute. Here's this young man who's been raised in Pharaoh's court. He's got a top class, and yet he's doing what? How did that happen? How in the world? Who in the world told him about where God was doing and what he was and he could potentially be the deliverer and all of this information? Who was teaching him that? Mom and dad. Because what was mama doing? She's getting paid to do what? Raising. She's over there instilling in him what? Sound doctrine. She's over there instilling him, here's what God's doing. Here's where we're at. You're potential. You're the one. You're the you're the one. Now watch verse twenty. By the way, he choosing rather he chose it. That's why we're here. By the way, <laughs> that child believing he chose it. He sees mom and dad live a godly life. That's their life. What does that child have to do? Choose to do the same. You instill in that child the sound doctrine. And eventually you have to release them to their maturity, and they have to choose to make it their own. And that's one of the hardest things as a parent to do. Yeah, they believe that Christ died for their sins, and but they have to, yeah, they, they get it, they're taught it, they understand it, they do believe it, but it has to be theirs. He goes on, verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures and Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying to do, were drowned. 
You see, he went and tried to help, you remember? Tried to help God, killed the Egyptian, then ran to the back, back into the wilderness for 40 years, wondering why nobody else was helping him. Why didn't you guys believe this? Don't you see I'm the deliverer? And then the burning bush happens, and he goes and he does. He had an understanding of what God was doing and how he was going to do it. But it came from that amazing faith of mom and dad as it impacted their son's life. And that's so important, so critical, so vital. But it started with mom. Dad, too, he's there. Mom and dad on the same page, the same understanding, the same level, ground is level, the same. You see Timothy, Paul told Timothy, remember the faith of your mother and your grandmother. What they do, the Holy Scriptures, that's 1 Timothy uh, 1, or, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, and chapter 3 verse 15, the Holy Scriptures rescue Timothy. You go to Luke 1 and Luke 2 and you see Mary, the mother. And what does Mary do? She says, I'm your handmaiden, Lord, use me. She doesn't fight. She doesn't argue. She doesn't say, not so, can't be done. She says, yeah, I'm, I'm a Bible believer. I'm, I know where we're at. Boom, right there. You see, the mother's love in Scripture is there, but it's a representative of, Here's God's love, and what would he have you do? He would have you come over here and hear the word, believe the word, and make it your own, grow in it, and then reproduce the cycle. You know what, Mom and Dad? We do the same thing with our children, don't we? Again, if you're an aunt or a sister, and your sister has kids, what are you going to By the way, that means you're an aunt. I know, okay? You're a grandma, what are you going to, you're going to have that impact positively. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Appreciate moms, but also appreciate what she represents. And that picture in your life, in the experience of your life of God's love and grace, and the life that he gave you in himself. Because that's what she's doing, and that's what she has done, if you're sitting here. Dads, if I can say to you quickly, the most important thing a dad can do for his children is to love their mother. Openly demonstrate that. Put it on display. Because that child is learning what, how to love and how to do and how to interact. And he's learning by watching you and your relationship. Don't close it off. I'm not saying don't go have World War III right in front of them. But have that have, have that. Put that demonstration on display. If you think about it, while, while, while mom allows us to have all the things in life in a very natural way, Christ allows us to have all the spiritual life that will last for eternity. So not only do we thank you, say thank you to mom, we also need to say thank you to our Heavenly Father for his love and for his grace because they're, they're synced together, okay? So to the moms, happy Mother's Day. For the rest of us, let's take a lesson from it that that's the picture of God's love for us. And let's go out and have an impact on our young people's lives.
but also have that impact in a positive manner to where they want to make the life that you have their life in Christ. That life you have in Christ, they want to make it their life as well. Okay? All right. It's noon. My kneecaps are still on. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for uh, our mothers. We thank you for the, the illustration and scriptures of their faithfulness. And we thank you for the faithfulness of all those here that come that's to, to study and to learn and to grow in your word and in your grace. In your name we pray.